clap if you want to. Yeah. It's all right. There might be clapping in heaven. I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah. Hope everybody's had a good week. Good week? Good? Um, I, uh, I've been sick this week, actually. Uh, so Wednesday, I came down with something and um, <clears throat> had a temperature, all that kind of stuff, and went into Thursday, and my like throat, congestion, this stuff was going on, you know. So I was like, okay, okay, temperature was still up and all that kind of stuff, so I didn't come to work on Thursday. Got into Friday. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for God just touch my body and heal me. <clears throat> I'm praying for healing. And then on Friday, I was like, you know what? This is getting worse. I better do something about this. So I called the doctor, make a doctor's appointment. And um, there, there's questions they have. To, like, I haven't called the doctor since 2020. <laughs> no reason to. Been trying to avoid it the whole deal. Just haven't called the doctor since 2020. There's a whole, whole list have you been around somebody that's had COVID? Have you done, you know, all that, all that list. Right into it, they asked me if I, if I had COVID. And I said, I don't, I don't think I do. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't know. And they said, well, when you come to the doctor's office, what we want you to do is we want you to park around on the side of the building and we will come out to you. And, and so they said, really? Yeah. And what we're going to do is we're going to swab you and we're going to test you for COVID. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I've been trying to avoid this forever. This is a little COVID test, just trying to avoid it. So I called Nicole on the phone, and I said, Nicole, look, I'm going to the doctor. I need an antibiotic. I know I need an antibiotic. All my life, around this time of year, sometimes I get these sinus infections, and I just need an antibiotic to get through this. I just know I need an antibiotic. But they're going to do a COVID test, so <clears throat> it's, that's just the way it's going to be. And she said, well, why don't you take one before you go? I said, okay, I'm not going to go out and get it because I don't feel good. I'm going to barely make it to the doctor as it is. So Nicole brought a home COVID test to my house. And um, I I opened it up and read the directions. Um, The swab was about that long, (laughs) right? I pulled it out, and, you know, it it was just very long swab. And the directions said to put one-third of it up your nose. One-third of the swab (laughs) up your nose. So I never do this. I measured it. I measured it with the tape, did some math, marked it, and then went up because I thought I better do this right because if I could take it to the doctor and get out of their test, I'll be just fine. So, so I put it up my nose, you know, had it all the way to the place, did it, did the little thing. And I don't, I don't know if you've done, most people have done this. I'm just new to it. So it's kind of like a pregnancy test on cardboard, <laughs> right? <clears throat> so you open this thing up and you put six drops of this here, and then you stick your snot up in here, <laughs> right? 
And then, you, and then you close it and you have to wait for 15 minutes. Now, the problem is, now, oh, by the way, by the way, the reason I say it's a, a pregnancy test is there's a line and then if a line appears, you have COVID. If the line doesn't appear, you don't have COVID. That's how it goes. So, so it's upside down and you had to wait for 15 minutes. And during that 15-minute period of time, I'd never thought about if I had COVID or not. Just never thought about it. So, well, what if I do? What if I do have COVID? What, what does that mean? I mean, what is that, what's going to happen? Am I breathing okay? Am I doing okay? You know, going through all these, these thoughts. I'm praying that I don't have COVID. 15 minutes was a very long period of time. Now, <clears throat> 15 minutes, I flipped it over. No line didn't have COVID on the home, pregnant, on the home pregnancy test. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have it. No, no line. And so immediately I just felt better. Have you ever, have you experienced this? Like immediately you're like, oh, thank goodness. So I took the test with me to the doctor, rode around on the side, <clears throat> checked in, doctor came out. And I said, look, I, I took this pregnancy, I mean, this uh, COVID test right before I came here today, and uh, it, it's negative. And then uh, she started to explain to me that the tests that are in the store are not as accurate as the tests that they do. And she went through that. I said, look, you don't, you don't have to do all that. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, why can't these people get together? Like, the, why can't your test be our test and this test be... Why can't it all be together? But it can't be, and that's fine. So uh, they, they put, they, they swabbed my nose. But when they swabbed the nose, they did not put a third of it up my nose. Like they just, it's just a little bit on the inside. And then I thought, my wife brought the wrong test and brought it home to me. You know, I was crying at the end of mine. It was, I was like wiping tears coming out of my eyes. I was wiping my eyes. They did it, nothing at all. It was a better experience at the doctor than, than what I had at home. Well, 30 minutes later, I didn't have COVID. I didn't have the flu. <clears throat> and so um, I, I was able to get an antibiotic. And actually, um, the very next day, I, I felt really well. My, my fever broke. The very next day, I felt well. And so now I'm, I'm running at about 70%, you know, this little well, thing I had, I actually wound up with a major ear infection. I felt like a preschooler, but, but I had an ear infection and I had some stuff going on here. So, so anyway, antibiotic did well. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot better and I'm really thankful. Well, I tell you that story because it, it goes right in with what we're talking about today. Um, it goes right in with what we're talking about today. Don't shake my hand after service. <clears throat> if you shook it before, just know this, because I shook some people's hands. Just want to look. I use hand sanitizer like nobody's business. You're just fine. Okay. All right. So, so I started thinking back in back in 2020. Every believer, every believer, asked this question about the church. Why are we doing what we are doing? Every believer in 2020. Does what we really do here really matter? Does it really matter? 
Every believer asks that question. Does it really matter if I'm in a building with people in church or if I'm watching it at home? Does it really matter what we are doing? Does it really matter? A lot of changes have happened since 2020, hasn't it? A lot of people have, have new jobs, right? And a lot of people that have, <clears throat> that have their old jobs are doing their jobs differently. For instance, instead of going into the office every week, they're having Zoom meetings or telephone meetings or whatever types of meetings, and they're actually working from home. I don't mind people working from home. I think it's awesome that people get to work from home. So I'm not talking about that, but it changed because of 2020. Businesses had to figure out how to operate, and so they adjusted and changes happen. Going to the doctor has changed. The stuff that you have to go through in order to get in the door has changed. Um, when you go to the doctor, it is a mask immediately as you go to the door. I mean, they greet you with a mask. You have to go in, into the door. It's just a change before you, you didn't have to do that. So there's a lot of changes that happen. Um, Changes that happened is in 2020, some of us became homeschoolers. Right? We started having to educate our children. I had to educate Quinn. Nicole had to educate Quinn. Of the two of us, Nicole really should be doing the education part of it. But, but we had to do that. We had to make sure that he was doing his stuff. So, so things changed. And so... Is, is school essential? I mean, is, is it something that, what, what needs to change? What do we need to keep doing? What needs to be cut out? Does what we do here really, really matter? You see, before 2020, we just came to church. We had the freedom to do so, right? We had the freedom to do so, come to church. We knew that church would always be here. That's what we knew in 2019, Church would always be here. We have the freedom of religion. We can come to church. We can do it. Um, in fact, we can miss three weeks and come back. Or we can come sp uh, sporadically during the year, but we always know that the church would always be there if we needed it. If a crisis happened, the church would be there. We'd always be able to assemble with people and get some of the help that we need. We knew it would be here. Well, in 2020, and I don't, I don't care what political thing you're going with. This is just a fact. We have learned that our freedom to assemble is not what we thought it was in 2019. That it can be shut down. It can be shut down. And then if it is shut down, how do we work around that? For the first time in the history of my life, um, we had to decide how to, how to have church and do it the right way, even though people were telling us not to have it. Okay? We, we had, to, had to figure out how to do that, how to get around the system, how to, how to meet and assemble. So why, why go through that? Well, because there was a group of people here that thought that church mattered. And, and there was a reason for church. And so you, you, you go through this, this kind of thinking of, does church really matter? Does assembling with other believers really matter? Why are we doing what we are doing? Does it really matter in the scheme of things? Is church really essential? Some people would say no. 
Some people would say yes. Some people are on the fence, and you can't be on the fence. To be on the fence is to say no. If the church disappears, if the church quits meeting, if the church quits trying to get together and assembling at a particular location, if the church quits doing that, it communicates something. Ladies and gentlemen, it communicates something. So what does it communicate? Well, it communicates something about your faith and my faith. It communicates something about that. It communicates something about the necessity of what we do every week. It communicates something about our faith in the God who is the only being in the universe that could help us through a pandemic. It communicates something about faith that we have. That we are not in control of our lives, but God has a purpose. It communicates something about faith when we learn from Scripture that there's a day that you are born and a day that you die and you don't miss any one of those dates, either one of those dates. It communicates something. It communicates something about who we really are relying on to get through the difficult moments of our lives. That's what it communicates. What, who are we really? Are, are we really, are we really holding our hopes on the government's decisions about your health? Are we really holding on to the CDC and what they say about what we should do and what we should not do and, and all that? Are we really holding our hopes on them and hanging by every thread Every moment that something was on the TV, we, we tried to hold on to it. We tried to grab a hold of it. We tried to hear what was happening. We tried to, tried to see if they could save us. Were we really hanging all our hopes on that rather than hopes on the one that could really save us? And see, the church, one of the reasons that the church was so essential during a pandemic is because God's people needed to meet together to pray. We needed to get together. We needed to figure out how to do it. No, we didn't want anyone to die. No, we didn't want a pass on a, on a virus. No, we were very, we were very um, honed in on that this thing was actually real. We knew that. We knew that. But we also knew that doctors and government officials and everybody else that was trying to solve the problem from the president down did not really have the power to do so. The one that had the power to do so was the God that we worship and the God that we serve every Sunday morning. And the church mattered because as a group, we needed to get together with each other to be with him. The Bible is very clear. It says, where two or more are gathered, I hear their prayer and I answer that prayer. Two or more are gathered. It's not me at home. It's not you at home. It's us together. So does the church matter? Yes, it does. It matters because of an array of reasons that we're going to talk about during this message. Okay, it really matters. There is, 
When the church doesn't meet, it communicates something about how we view death. I'm going to say that again. When the church meets, it communicates something of how, about how we view death. It communicates something about what's really important. It communicates about how we feel or how we believe that the church and its role in society should actually be lived out. It communicates something. It communicates what our mission really is. Now, let me diffuse a couple of things in the room. I had a friend of mine, um, it's about a year and a half ago, he asked me, he said, um, people in your church wear a mask. I said, yeah. Yeah, there's people coming to church wearing a mask. Are there people that um, are like, going through some type of health crisis and they're having to stay at home. Yeah, they're, they're, they're staying at home. We pray for them and that's just fine with me. That's absolutely fine with me. They shouldn't be here. They're going through a crisis. They need to be at home. Well, are there people in your church that aren't wearing masks? I said, absolutely. They're, yes. There are people in our church that are not wearing masks. Well, do those people get along? Yes. <laughs> they do? Absolutely. People that wear masks that came into the church, they weren't looked at any different. People that were not wearing masks were not looked at any different because I don't care what you wear to church as long as you're here. Now, ladies, <laughs> I know I don't have to go there. I do care a little bit, okay? Guys, if you want people to throw up, okay. But nonetheless, I do care. I do care a little bit. I do care there, but I don't care. You come to church because there is something bigger going on than a mask debate. There is something bigger going on. Whether you get a, um, a virus killing shot, <sighs> good night. Whether you get a vaccine, a booster, or whatever, or whether you don't, there is something bigger going on. And we are not going to trade the temporary little arguments for our mission that we should be focused on. We're not going to trade that. And what the world needed at that moment, what the world needed at that moment was for people that believed in God to meet together to show that they had faith in something bigger than what this world can offer. The church matters. The church matters. Now listen. The church is something you leave your house and step into. The church is something you leave your house and step into a room of people that are believers that have met with the purpose to worship and learn about God, improve their lives so that they can be witnesses for Jesus during the week. That is what church is. Church is not at home. It's not when you're just alone, looking, you know, looking at a screen. I am very aware. I'm very aware. Trust me. There are a lot of great communicators that you can see on YouTube. Oh my goodness, they're, they're the best of the best is on YouTube. You can dial in to almost any church that you want to watch. 
um, any church in America that you want to watch, any communicator, and you can actually watch him on Sunday morning, and he will be brilliant. He'll absolutely be brilliant. He will be able to speak to you and speak to your heart through that screen. Have you seen these guys? They're, it, it, it's amazing to me how they can do this. They speak and they speak to people's heart through the screen. And you can be in your home and you can get something from that. And it's very beneficial for you. Very beneficial for you. I'm not going to tell you that it's not because that wouldn't be true. Very beneficial. Very beneficial for you to listen. It's wholesome. It's something good to watch. But let me tell you something. That is no different than just watching the TV show. You're getting something from them, but it isn't the church. It, it isn't the church. The church is a body of believers that meet together. They assemble together. The Greek word is assembling of people together. That's what the church is. I am not the church alone. I don't walk out of here and I'm the church. Oh, I'm the church. No, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, but I'm not the church. The church happens when two or three or four or a hundred or a thousand of believers decide to assemble together to worship and learn something from the word of God. To go to church, you have to leave your home and you have to step into it. That is when you go to church. So the church, the church matters. It really matters. But you know what? It, it doesn't matter if it matters to me. What really matters in this question, does the church really matters, is does the church really matter to God? See, if we go down the down the road of, does the church really matter to me? Is it really something that's beneficial for me? Is it really something that I should do? Is it really something me, 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 me? We become consumers, okay? But the real question is, does the church really matter to God? To answer that question, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. By the way, two things while you're turning there. One is... Um, I know, I know some of you know the difference between the universal church and the local church. The local church is a local body of believers that decide to meet together. The universal church is actually every person that has ever asked Jesus Christ to come into their heart. They became a Christian from the beginning all the way to now. So it's historical. The universal church is historical. So people 100 years ago that received Jesus as their Savior is a part of a universal church. A lot of people will say that that universal church doesn't meet together. Well, you haven't read your Bible. There is coming a day where a trumpet will sound and the universal church will assemble together. That's why it's called the church. It's an assembly of the future. Now, in God's viewpoint, all those people are going to be invited to that assembly when he comes back. But do not go down the road that the universal church is just me living at home. It's not. Even Jesus is going to blow a trumpet to assemble that group of people together. And that is going to be an awesome day. It's going to be an awesome day. So Ephesians chapter 5. Here we go. By the way, 
Um, Nicole and I have been married 26 years. And this past Wednesday, when I was sick with the temperature, um, her love still makes me sick. Uh, <laughs> so we've been married. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe I would just share a couple of things, um, the wisdom that I've gained over my 26 years, and there you go. <laughs> I will tell you this. I haven't completed my learning process of this whole marriage thing. I, I learn something all the time about it, and she does too. I don't think you ever quit learning uh, about that. So I really have nothing to share with you other than I have nothing to share, okay? <laughs> nothing to share, no wisdom to pass on. But here we go, verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5. Check this out. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. Ladies and gentlemen, the church matters because Jesus Christ died to establish the church. He gave his life, he shed his blood, he died so that the church could happen. How could I not think at this point in time that the church isn't important, that the church isn't essential? That gathering together is something that Jesus isn't concerned about. But Jesus is concerned about because he loved the church and he gave himself up for her. He gave all so that he could have a church. That's what he did. It is very essential. It matters to him. So much he gave his life. But it doesn't stop there. Continues to go. Verse 26. That he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. See, there's something going on in the body of the church. This is, this is Christ's tool to cleanse people. This is Christ's tool in order for us to live better for him, in order for us to get those sins out of our lives that so easily besets us. He wants us to meet together because he died for us, and two, he wants us to learn how to live for him. That's what he wants us to do, that he might sanctify her, that he might make her better, that he might make us better, that he might make the church better. It's very important to him. Verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. He has the church in play so that we can be convicted of our sins, so that our sins can be brought out from us, so that we can do something about those sins and become more sanctified. It, and I, better for him, more holy, more righteous for him. Okay? Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Why is the church so important? Yes, Jesus gave his life for it. But this is the place where Christ, Jesus Christ, nourishes you. He nourishes me. This is the place where Christians grow together. He made the church as a part of that. Now, I know we can grow in our own personal devotions. Absolutely. 
We can grow in our own personal prayer time. Just us and God, we're alone with him. But a part of our growth process is not just devotions. It's not just prayer alone with God. It's assembling together as his people and being nourished by him at a moment during the week together with the same subject. It's an amazing thing. That's why he wants the church. He wants you to be nursed. He wants you to grow. He wants you to pay attention. He has a plan, nourishes her. He also says cherishes. Cherishes, which actually means love. It's the word agape. Actually, it's not. Actually, it is. It's the word agape. So cherishes her. He cherishes her. He loves her. Have you ever noticed that when you are in a worship service and you are singing praise to God, that sometimes something stirs within your soul? And you know it's not you loving God, but it's God loving you in that moment. You see, every Christian already has an anointing that lives inside of them. We can talk about anointing on the outside, but every Christian has an anointing that lives on the side of them. When we are pouring out our hearts in praise to God, God also shows us on the inside that he loves us as well. Something stirs inside of us when we sing praises to his name. Something does. So church is the place where we get together and God shows up. Yes, God is more present when we are together than when we are apart. Is God present with me during the week? Absolutely. How do I know that? I drive my car. I see how he protects me down the road. I, I see that. I mean, I see the way that God works in my life during the week and I'm all by myself. I feel his presence wherever I'm at. If I'm in tune with him, if I'm not sinning, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I have his presence. But God has promised to be in the midst of his people when they are together. And it's different. The presence that is in this room is different than the presence that I have in my car. It is a collective presence. It is like God is here because we all are here and we're all trying to focus on him and do the same thing. He cherishes us. He wants us to know that he loves us and he wants to nourish our souls. That particular word, nourish, is also a word for strengthen. He wants to strengthen your heart. He wants to strengthen your soul. He wants to strengthen you in the faith so that you can make it through the next week. Church matters to him. It matters because he gave his life for it. And it matters because this is the moment in which Jesus has chosen to invest in you corporately. And he does it every week, every week. Now, maybe I should define a church. A church is a place that worships God and teaches the whole Bible. Not man's interpretation of the Bible, but preaches the whole Bible, the whole counsel of it. What's wrong in the Bible is wrong for us. What's right in the Bible is right for us. The truths that are there are just the truths that are taught. That is a church. Any church that decides not to do that 
is not a church. It's not a church. Now, I think it's interesting here that he uses marriage as an example for what Christ does for the church each week. Okay? Let me, let's just keep reading. For no one ever hated his own flesh, verse 30, because we are members of his body. Okay, for no one ever hated his own flesh and nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, verse 30, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, is a, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What is it referring to? Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He uses the church to talk to husbands to, to give us an example of how Jesus deals with the church, but he also does the same thing with wives. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, all, now as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. There is, a, there is a picture of how Jesus interacts with his assembly, his church, every week, and the importance of it, and it's connected to marriage. Now, why is it connected to marriage? What is he trying to tell us about that? What is he trying to tell us beyond how you should treat your wife and how you should treat your husband? What is he telling us beyond that? And I'll tell you. He's telling you that the church should be the very fabric of society. You see, marriage from the very beginning was the fabric of society. Adam and Eve, fabric of society. Move on through. And Satan has been attacking the marriage ever since. If he can break apart marriages, if he can change the definition of marriages, of what a marriage is, if he can destroy marriage, he knows that he can destroy the society that he's trying to conquer. Marriage is in the fabric of society. And Jesus, Paul, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, uses this as an illustration to say that the church is also the fabric of society. We are what runs is the undercurrent of what makes the culture either good or bad if we are doing our job. If we are doing our job. And so the way the church goes is the way the society goes. If you don't believe me, I want you to just think of two denominations. I'm not going to say their names. Two denominations that have walked away from the Bible and as a result has affected the culture in America. Right? It has an effect on it. I would say this. Any church that walks away from the scriptures divorces the bridegroom. Any church that stays true doesn't. Now, let me give you an example of how this fabric kind of goes. Have you ever wondered why when Haiti gets hit by a hurricane, that all of a sudden 
people that are very far from God in our culture decide to sing a song and raise money and send it to help the poor and needy in Haiti. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered why these people decide to care for people in Haiti? Well, the reason is, is because America, the fiber of America, is the church. Now, it's weaker than it used to be, but the reason that people carry for pe- care for people in other countries is because of the church's impact in that society. Now, none of those people would say, hey, the church, but I guarantee you it is. It is. If you go to the Middle East, they do not give money to anybody that is hurting. I have never heard a vocal group from Iran raise money for Haiti and their destruction. I've never heard of a communist country ever sending money anywhere to help anybody. Churches are almost non-existent there. The fabric of society is not being impacted by them. But here, we still have strong churches. We have some weak ones, we have some problems, but we still have strong churches. And God tells us in Scripture that we should care for the poor, we should care for the needy, we should help people out. In fact, that's part of the gospel and what the church does. We help people out. And so that spreads. So even people that say that they're atheists wind up helping people in a Christian way because the church is the fabric of society. This is also a reason why the church matters. The church is the fabric of society. It's the fabric of who we are. We actually influence the culture around us. I would say that Farmington Baptist Church impacts in a very positive way the culture around our church. I would say that it does. Right now, we have a good reputation in the community. It's a good reputation, not because of me, not because of you, but because of what God is doing as a result of us sticking with him. When churches continue to meet during the pandemic, even the people that got angry at that understood in some way that those people and their faith was more important to hold on to than the things in this life. That's what they knew. It might have been something that was in the back of their mind. It might have been something that was in the front of their mind. But they knew. They knew that there was a group of people that believed in God enough to keep this thing going. Right, tracking? And it impacted. It impacted the environment. Here's a, here's a marked difference in places that have churches and places that do not have churches. Now, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to show you why. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to start reading with verse 21. Well, let's just do 20. Ephesians 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. To him be glory, where? In the church. To him be glory in the church. That particular word glory is the same type of word that's used in the Old Testament when Moses was dedicating the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord fell on the tabernacle. It is the same type of word that is in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 when Solomon is dedicating the temple and the glory of the Lord fell on the temple. This means that when we meet together, the presence and glory of the Lord is in the church. It's in the church. And society needs to know that God is still present even if they deny him. They need to know that there's a group of people that believe in his presence even though they're denying him. There's something that happens when we meet together and the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is here that not only helps us, but also helps our communities as well. He has chosen the church to be the place where he resides and his glory is. Now look a little bit earlier in verse 10 of chapter three, it says this. Oh, back in two, okay, 10. It says this, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. In the world that is unseen, when the church meets together, there is a message that goes to that realm, a message. And that message is this. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. That is the wisdom. And you are defeated. And for the other side of the angels that look into our salvation and are amazed at it, they're amazed at the wisdom of God. But it even goes further than that. It is the church that helps the culture When the church is doing its job, it helps the culture stay morally, I don't know, correct's not the word, and I'm a little sick. I mean, I'm a little weak. You know what I mean? I'm a little, it helps the culture, it restrains the culture from going too far. I am almost convinced, almost convinced, that when the rapture happens and the church is removed, it is not just the restraining power of the Holy Spirit that leaves. It's the restraining power of the church that leaves as well. And then evil goes berserk because the church is the fabric of society. There is some type of wisdom that happens, some type of message that happens for everybody around us when the church meets. And it's important. It's very, very important. The manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God. Verse 11, and we're going to wrap this up. It says this, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. 
So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. My, um, <clears throat> my wife, uh, she amazes me um, because she will talk to anybody. I, you, I will not talk to anybody, just anybody. I'm not good one-on-one. I love everybody here. I love to talk to people here. There's something different about here. But if I'm out and about and I'm meeting somebody new, I'm just a little bit nervous. I don't know what to say. I'm a little awkward. Inside, I just feel awkward. I'm just not. I, I seem to be outgoing, but don't. You know, I, see, okay, you get it. She can talk to people, all right? Yesterday, my wife mowed the yard because I just didn't feel up to it, okay? Um, my wife loves to mow the yard. I hold on to that because I feel like that's part of my manhood. I just need to mow the yard. I need to do that job. That is my job. I feel that's a part of it. Say what you want to. That's just how I feel. She mowed the yard yesterday, and a lady in our neighborhood stopped by, rolled down her window, and said, finally, a woman doing yard work. And my wife went over and talked to her. Now, this lady in our neighborhood is lost, like very lost. She's very lost. She needs Christ. She needs to know that somebody loves her. She needs to know that he is what can help her. So anyway, my wife talks to her. I watched my wife. Talked to her for 30, 35 minutes. If you know Nicole, that's a short amount of time. It's a short amount of time. But in that conversation... She invited her grandson that was staying with her to our youth activity last night. Now, Nicole came in. She's all fired up. She, she is invited. She's made a connection with this lady. She's praying for this lady. This kid is going to come to our youth event. And I'm in the back of my mind going, honey, that kid ain't going to show up. I, I'm not sure if that kid's going to go. It's in the back of my mind. I didn't say it out loud. I'm glad I didn't. Because if I had a, I would have been wrong. That lady showed up last night with her grandkid to this place, to this location, where the youth were having church. Now, were they outside playing games? Yes. But they were gathered together as believers, and they were having church on this property. What type of environment do you think that was for that kid? A positive environment. He could have been anywhere else doing anything else that he wanted to do. But he came last night, and he actually had a great time while he was here. You see, you, you might be sitting here today thinking that this whole meeting together thing, this fabric thing that I'm talking about is just baloney. It's not. It's in Scripture. It's there. We meet together because this place is supposed to be strikingly different than the rest of the world. This is supposed to be the place that we can invite our neighbors to come and they see a difference. They see that God has taken a group of people and he's changed their lives and they center their life around him. This is the place. And God took this so seriously, ladies and gentlemen, that he died for it. And he takes it so seriously every Sunday that he nourishes and loves on people in this room every week. What I do every Sunday is a miracle.
this is a miracle. I know it's a miracle. What he does with the information that is projected from someone that doesn't even do grammar well, struggles sometimes with saying what he wants to say, what he does with it in the lives of people that come is a miracle. If I only had that, it would matter to me to have church. It would matter. This is why 2020, when everything went south, we did everything we could to get people together and stay coming together as a body of believers. I'm not lifting this up. I don't want you to, don't want you to take that. I wanted the power of Christ to enter our lives at the moment of crisis so that we could get through that time in our country. That's what I wanted. I wanted it for myself. I wanted it for you. I wanted us to depend on him. And every week I left here with a different view of what was going on in the world in relation to what God felt about it. Does that make sense? The church matters. He gave his life for it, and it's the place where he shows up with his presence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this thing called the church.